0: You're going to love this. Just love it. I don't know if you will, Desi. I think I will. We'll find out. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Me neither. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in From the middle From Pacifica Radio you. in Los Angeles This is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 it's FM, so FM in LA in, LA in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast at 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93FM WLRI, in Hawaii on 88.5FM KAKU, the voice of Maui, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1FM, in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and on many other fine terrestrial stations, Also, streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the internets, which is a series of tubes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, actually GDPR Revolution 99 now, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, An all-around swell fellow says me, and sometimes only me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another action-packed, thrilling adventure, which it will be because, first, I need to offer apologies. I know you're not supposed to start a radio show with, you know, apologies, but uh, I'm going to apologize because... Well, first to you, Desi Doyen, because um, all the stuff that I was hoping to do today, yeah, yeah, not going to do it. Uh oh, totally, just uh, tossing it out. Have no idea where we're going here because uh, some new stories sort of came in late that I want to uh, I want to be able to deal with. And the other reason I want to apologize is uh, to listeners is because I had hoped today we've been talking a lot about elections <laughs> all week, and that was you know following on two weeks of of our our convention coverage. And now we've been talking about uh, voting rights, uh, these great voting rights victories that we've seen in uh, state and federal courts all over the country. We've been talking about the concerns that the corporate media is finally note as they always do, you know, right before the elections, before it's too late to do anything, suddenly they start becoming concerned about. Electronic voting systems, uh, hacks that, you know, could affect the election, hacking of these systems and so forth. I guess I should be happy that at least now they're taking them seriously, as opposed to years ago when they would start reporting on concerns about electronic voting system right before an election. And, you know, to point out, however, the voting machine companies say these systems are secure and there is nothing to worry about. They can't be hacked, et cetera, et cetera. Now it seems they finally get it, and I don't know if it took the hack of the DNC emails uh, to finally wake some of these folks up, uh, but they're finally getting it, and we're seeing one story after another after another having to do with this, and now I would say one quintessential story that uh, was put out today by Politico magazine, their cover story by Ben Wofford, which I think is just fantastic on a number of levels that I will get to momentarily. Uh, I also want to let you know that uh, Desi Doyen will be here with a Green News Report. Depending on how things go, Des, we had talked about doing an extended uh, Green News Report today.
1: Yeah, we'll see if we have enough time. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see.
0: That may be on, that may be off. But we will have a non-extended G, uh, GNR. A You're regularly
1: race- scheduled GNR. Correct.
0: A regular-sized version of the uh, GNR coming up with some accountability, some accountability news up in Michigan, and two different stories uh, in related to Michigan, actually.
1: And accountability.
0: And accountability. And um, some disturbing news about uh, young voters, actually. Um, And then uh, our old friend Donald Trump. uh, Oh, goody. Recycling nonsense (laughs) still. And again, these zombie myths, these lies about climate change that just don't die, no matter how much they are proven wrong over and over and over again. We talked a little bit about that on yesterday's program with Ron, uh, Ron Johnson and.
1: About Ron Johnson, about, not with him. Not Ron with Johnson. him,
0: correct. Yeah, Senator Ron Johnson had made these ridiculous uh, claim long ago disproven claims, and he's still out there on the radio making these same stupid claims about the the planet cooling and so forth, as if... You know, if you say it on right-wing radio, nobody else hears it other than the jackasses who listen to right-wing radio and still believe this nonsense. So we talked a little bit about it yesterday. I know you had a few additional thoughts.
1: Yes, and I just want to remind people that Senator Ron Johnson is up for re-election in November.
0: He is. Republican Senator Ron Johnson, U.S. Senator from Wisconsin, running against the excellent uh, former uh, senator from Wisconsin, Russ Feingold. So they are in... Well, let's call it a tight match. Uh, I believe Feingold is is leading in uh, a number of the polls that have been out, but I would not rest on any laurels uh, this early in the contest. Frankly, I wouldn't rest on it until these people are sworn in one way or another. So maybe we'll get to that. But as I mentioned, we've got uh, a number of uh, stories concerning voting and elections, and if I don't hit them now, we won't get to them, and they are important. So, yeah, while I had hope for a break from uh, this stuff today and today only, yeah, you're not going to get that break. Sorry. Uh, okay. But you'll learn a lot. Uh, I hope so. We'll see. Um, among the stories that have uh, come out in just the past few days on concerns about electronic voting systems, which are used, voting and counting systems, I need to be clear on that. It is not just, you know, touchscreen voting uh, systems, which are used in fewer and fewer and fewer states, but um, the paper ballot systems that are also run through computers that can also be manipulated, can be hacked, and are simply just sometimes out and out wrong. They announce the wrong winner. Sometimes election officials notice, and if they're allowed to count the paper ballots by hand, they find out who really won the election. But most of the time, those paper ballots aren't counted by any human beings at all. They're simply run through the uh, Through the optical scan computer tabulators and whatever those computers say, that's the results of the election. So
1: there's a difference between the counting systems and the voting systems. Both are run by computers in office. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, at least with paper ballots, you can try later to oversee it, to recount the ballot or to count the ballots by hand. But nobody ever does. Uh, There's very rarely any checking of those ballots whatsoever. In some states, a tiny sample is hand counted after the election is certified. But then generally, even when they find errors, they go ahead and certify it as is anyway. So. OK, so we've got the corporate media now finally uh, noticing these problems just by way of a few stories. Uh, let's see. Uh, all things considered. We talked about this uh, a few days ago. Uh, NPR's all things considered. Ran an article by Pam Fessler uh, headline, Hacking an Election. Why it's not as far fetched as you might think. Well, of course, I didn't think it was far fetched, but uh, there's NPR saying it. Um, The uh, Christian Science Monitor wrote uh, uh, an op-ed, How to Make Democracy Harder to Hack, by Scott Shackelford, uh, cybersecurity expert. We had him on our previous program to talk about that and talk about what can possibly be done to deal with this problem. Uh, Short answer, very little. Uh, the uh, Shane Harris over at the Daily Beast wrote an article earlier this week How Hackers Could Destroy Election Day And Shane Harris goes through a number of uh, concerns about the voting systems that we use Uh, Just to give you the bullet points here, he describes uh, the uh, intercept the ballots, that once the ballots are cast at a polling place, they're sent to another location to be counted. And while they are in transit, they're vulnerable to tampering, especially if they travel electronically. That's one way. Lie to the voting machines. This one may be a trickier uh, one of the trickier hacks to pull off, he says, but potentially one of the most damaging. This is ballot definition files that uh, those are created each and every election, even if you get to test the source code on these voting machines, which is rarely if ever done. The private companies say it's proprietary. But even if you got to test that source code, what doesn't get to be tested is the ballot definition files, these programs that are created for a specific election. And often those ballot definition files are just wrong. They're written in error. Or they can be purposely uh, written uh, incorrectly, as we saw, for example, in the HBO documentary Hacking Democracy, Emmy nominated uh, documentary. Um, And I was speaking, by the way, with the filmmaker of one of the filmmakers of Hacking Democracy just a few minutes ago via email. He's quite concerned, he tells me, about the statements being made by Donald Trump that this could be. The election will be rigged and so forth, and the idea, the perception that it could be rigged, that that is as dangerous as it actually being rigged. And that's true. And that's one of the main points I'm trying to get to here. Uh, so you can uh, target states with no paper trail. Yes, there's touchscreens that are used. To Touchscreen systems that are used with no paper trail whatsoever, those are 100 percent unverifiable, but so are the touchscreen systems that are used that have a paper trail. Those are also 100 percent unverifiable because after the election, if anybody ever bothers to look at those paper trails and they don't, there's no way to know that, uh, you know, the voter actually approved them, that they actually reflect the intent of the voters. Uh, You can go after wireless uh, systems, go after a lot of these systems use some form of Wi-Fi. We saw that earlier this year or was it last year? I've lost uh, track. But out in uh, uh, Virginia, I think it was last year, they they found uh, in one of these uh, electronic voting systems that were used out in Virginia that you could hack them from the parking lot and that the passcode... uh, the the uh, password in use for the machine was hard coded into the system. It was A B C D E, and that was it. And you couldn't change it. And that's what it was. And if you could be, uh, if a hacker could possibly figure out that uh, difficult password A B C D E, they could run roughshod over the system, do anything they want. Uh, this is all from uh, Shane Harris at uh, at Daily Beast. This is the sort of stuff we've been reporting for years at Bradblog.com. For years has led uh, some people who would rather not deal with this uh, to call me a conspiracy theorist for even describing these things, bringing on the computer scientists onto this show and, and uh, interviewing them for Bradblog, uh, the scientists who have discovered all of this stuff even now. I, it's been remarkable over the past few days we've been talking about this we post the show at daily coast every day uh, as well <laughs> uh, and and they're still even when I go out and debunk uh various conspiracy theories various claims of stolen elections they're over there calling me a conspiracy theory that's daily coast for you <laughs> they well they are what they are. <laughs> God love them. We love you, Daily Coast. If you knew facts and you were able to read and listen to actual uh, information, we'd love you even more. But anyway, over at the Daily Beast, Shane Harris goes on to uh, describe the ways. And here's the last one that he notes. He says uh, the, the last, you know, the ways that these elections can be gamed. And he notes that you can say you hacked the vote even if you didn't. Hackers, mm-hmm. hackers, he writes, don't need to actually hijack a voting machine or ballot software to undermine confidence in election results. Merely the credible claim that an election had been tinkered with could compel a candidate's supporters to cry foul, particularly if the vote counts are close or if the candidate performed worse than expected. Uh, we, we've heard this from a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters who were very concerned about the results that came from the, uh, from the primary election. Talked about that earlier this week, about one, uh, several reports in particular um, that, you know, compared exit uh, polling results to the actual reported results. I explained why I'm not particularly moved by that disparity, never have been. We see it in many elections throughout the years. One of the reasons I'm not moved is because my reaction is the same either way. Count the ballots. I don't care about comparisons to exit polls. Um, Anyway, uh, they care. They worry about it. And to them, this undermines confidence in elections. And I understand that. And that's the problem with systems that you cannot oversee. Back to the uh, 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 Shane Harris here. Uh, He writes um, quoting from Avi Rubin a computer scientist at Johns Hopkins University. He's one of the first computer scientists to warn about the problems of hacking votes This was back uh, more than well over a decade ago, about 15 years ago at this point He said, if you have a system that's been shown to have vulnerabilities even if someone doesn't attack them but creates the impression that they might have in a closely contested election, you've got a problem well, that's funny. And that's what the uh, HBO, uh, the filmmaker uh, from the HBO's Hacking Democracy, was saying just a few minutes ago today before we went on air via email. Um, Delhi Beast goes on to say Given Trump's claims, Trump's, Donald Trump's claims that the system is rigged and his pattern of inciting supporters, it's not hard to imagine the nominee seizing on just the claim of foreign hacking as evidence of interference. He could also. Uh, sees on the claim of domestic hacking as well. What does it matter who hacked it uh, or who is alleged to have hacked it? If you're undermining uh, the, the confidence in the results, this is a concern for elections. Which brings me now to Politico's remarkable story today. This cover story at Politico Magazine by Ben Wofford, and it's just terrific. Headline, How to Hack an Election in Seven Minutes. Subtitle, with Russia already meddling in 2016, a ragtag group of obsessive tech experts is warning that stealing the ultimate prize, victory on November 8, would be child's play. Now, I'm going to set aside for the moment uh, the claim about Russia because we don't know. Democrats have claimed that Russia is hacking. The uh, Jay Johnson, the Johnson, the Department of uh, Homeland Security secretary says, "The we are not attributing these hacks to anybody at any time." So I'm going to set that aside for a moment because here's the point: whether it's foreign or domestic, it does not matter. Uh, if uh, it, you know if an election is hacked, whether it's Russia or China or Iran uh, or ISIS or someone here locally who doesn't like Donald Trump or who doesn't like Hillary Clinton or who didn't like Bernie Sanders or whatever it was, it doesn't matter. We need to be able to oversee our elections. Now, what does the Ben Wafford's story, the reason I love it so much, actually, is because it goes through this group of uh, computer scientists and security experts from Princeton University, uh, several of whom, a number of whom we've had on this program over the years. Uh, they cover a lot of the stories that uh, we've reported on at bradblog.com, uh, including a lot of the stories that we actually broke there for the first time. Uh, Including one of the very first hacks here, which involved a Diebold touchscreen machine uh, hacked by uh, Princeton University in such a way that they were able to, in about 30 seconds time, flip the results on that machine with a virus that would pass itself from machine to machine, flip the results of the election with uh, nary a trace left behind to be discovered by anyone. And that was uh, after uh, I helped them... Uh, you
1: obtained the machine.
0: Yeah, uh, obtained the Diebold uh, touchscreen um, from an insider, frankly, that had not, uh, this was before anybody, independently had been able to even examine these machines publicly. So uh, they talk about that hack, but many, many more that we have covered over the years. The uh, uh, Sequoia Edge hack. Uh, this, uh, this Sequoia touchscreen machine where uh, alex haldeman uh, and 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 friends out of uh, Princeton had replaced the election system with Pac-Man on the machine. and they did so without breaking any of the machine's seals without even opening up the machine undetectable. They put Pac-Man Well, it was detectable well, in I mean, that Pac-Man was <laughs> on the, thing. but yeah, you wouldn't have seen in, in in fact, they could have replaced it with something much more nefarious that would have. Uh, been undetectable because there was no sign that the machine had been uh, tampered Reached. with. Yeah. Uh, at the time we reported a uh, Brad blog on the scientists from Argonne National Labs who were able to find a way to hack these systems remotely from the parking lot with about twenty six dollars in parts from Radio Shack. Uh, the great internet voting hack that also Alex Haldeman uh, did after he left Princeton went out to Michigan where he's now a professor at University of Michigan was able to take over the entire system that was about to be used in an election in Washington, D.C., An internet where they're doing these stupid Internet voting sy- uh, 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 schemes. Uh, they're still trying to get these done around the country, incredibly. Uh, So one was about to go live a few years ago and uh, computer scientists said, well, this hasn't been publicly tested. It hasn't. Nobody's hack tested it. Red Team tested it, tried to penetrate the system. Washington, D.C. said, "Okay, well, we'll we'll let you do it. Go ahead. Let's have a test run. And in fact, in just no time at all, Haldeman and his group at uh, University of Michigan took over the entire system, including the cameras in the tabulation system the actual video cameras security cameras they were able to take those over they were able to change every vote that was cast on the system they were able to change put a script that changed every future vote that might be cast on the system they were able to change the names of the candidates and for good measure they played the university of michigan fight song at the end of uh, at the end of the vote for anybody who voted on this system
1: just to be clear yes. this was tampered with
0: it, it, th- yeah, oh, yes, just to let people know this was tampered with. Yeah, but even that took them a while. A lot of people voted on it, had no idea that it had been tampered with. They would get that uh, song and didn't know what was playing it. So he talks about, in this story... Uh, a, a lot of these guys who came out of Princeton, Andrew Appel, Ed Felton, Alex Halderman, etc. And, uh, yeah, you, Des, you had a question? Oh, just
1: that also he, remember, he locked out uh, other foreign intruders in the system. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. When he was in there hacking the Washington, D.C. internet voting scheme, uh, he noticed that there were other people in there, computers from China and Iran, I think, at the time. Uh, and he actually was able to change the password to keep them out. So... Uh, you know, it is, as uh, Politico magazine's uh, Ben Wofford describes, child's play to take over these systems. And uh, I wrote about it at bradblog.com today and, and about uh, the part of it that I'm going to hit you with here in a moment Um With the headline uh, Politico's how to hack an election in seven minutes finally gets close to real solutions or how Politico summarizes much of Brad blog's 15 years of e-voting coverage in 8,500 smart words. And it really is. It's a detailed, long article, really interesting. i was going to call it really fun, but maybe only to, you know election pornographers like me (laughs) who who get into this stuff but uh it's uh you know really uh smartly done and uh i just saw my the last 10 or 15 years of my life flash before my eyes as i was reading this piece it's really good really well done um and so i i really recommend you go read it politico how to hack an election in seven minutes And then maybe we can stop having this conversation at all about whether these machines can be hacked or not. And the story actually does talk about uh, the voting machine companies, how they are still claiming that these systems are secure after all of these years uh, and claiming that, well, maybe you can hack them, but they never actually have been. Really? Well, go to Clay County, Kentucky, and look what... uh, Top election officials did there to those machines. Uh, Some of those uh, top election officials now in jail for going in after voters voted in the machines and actually changing the vote on the touchscreens anyway. A lot to read there. A lot to look at there. Uh, Get a tall drink for yourself. uh, Take a weekend, a pitcher of coffee, whatever (laughs) you may need to get through it. Uh, But it's really interesting uh, how to hack an election in seven minutes. But here's what. So it's stuff that I knew. But here's what uh, drew my eye. A lot of the computer scientists that uh, they talk to, people we've had here on the show and so forth, uh, are now Understanding, it seems to me, that the solution to bad electronic computer voting and tabulation systems is not newer electronic voting and tabulation systems uh, with computers. They're actually starting to understand that uh, the problem to old computers is not newer computers, that those same new computers still present a problem where we don't know what to do where the public cannot oversee the results of the election, where the public simply has to trust in whatever the computers say. Or, in the case of some of these uh, computer scientists over the years have suggested, well, if we encrypt it, if we use military-grade encryption that cannot be hacked, never mind whether it cannot be hacked or not, but with the military-grade encryption, um, this will make it very, very difficult to hack and we can trust it. Well, the problem is, uh, that may be true for computer scientists and cybersecurity experts who understand encryption and how this works. But for the general public who does not, what you end up with is a bunch of gobbledygook where there is no way to know whether it was uh, the results are accurate or not. So one of the people uh, mentioning uh, that as a solution, uh, Rice University's Dan Wallach, uh, who's been a great longtime critic of the existing e-voting systems, he explained it this way. He said, uh, according to uh, Wofford at Politico, Wallach walks backward. Through the concept of offering a thought experiment. The most unimpeachable election technique, he says, would be to count the votes on an enormous cork board. Every voter would pin his or her vote, and the public would count the results together. Everyone would see the votes, and everyone would agree on the result. And he's right. That's it. If everyone can see the results, if everyone can see all of the ballots up on a cork board, Then we could all have confidence in the results. So he's getting close. He's getting close to the real solution. But then he goes on to say, so the way to do that is with cryptography, that people can check their results afterwards. And Wofford is skeptical uh, of that. He writes, Encrypting the vote would allow a public accounting while keeping the actual votes private. Voters would make their selection on a digital processing machine. They'd then receive an encrypted receipt, a random assortment of numbers and letters. Their vote would then be uploaded to a public bulletin board online. Any voter could compare their own encrypted vote to see if it matched the numbers and letters online. Wouldn't necessarily tell you how you vote, because then you'd be able to, Sell your vote, buy and sell votes. But you could see that, oh, the system has the same numbers and letters that you have on that uh, in your hand. The vote itself would be scrambled and completely secret. A complex function known as homomorphic cryptography would count the votes without encrypting the source. Wofford writes crypto, as is known in the field, would secure our elections something close to permanently, but it would challenge fundamentally the way that we vote. It would make the act of gawking at random source code a civic requirement, and it would abolish the concept of a countable ballot, a human countable, human readable ballot, forcing us to trust that incomprehensible code is the equivalent of a ballot. Cryptographic voting is still years away from ready, he says, but it also begs the question of whether the concept has simply transferred a technocratic leap of faith from one part of the electronic system to another one. It seemed uh, difficult to believe after a bruising decade of invisible votes and disappearing ballots that voters would put their faith in something so abstract. He goes on to say, after four explanations from Wallach, I was still dumbfounded. And that's my point. We should not have to trust in corporations, whether it's, uh, you know, these voting machine companies like Diebold or ESNS or Hardin or Civic or Sequoia or Dominion or WinVote or Take Your Pick. We should not have to trust uh, in computer scientists promising us that their algorithms and their encryptions really, really work. We shouldn't have to trust them. Or any election official or anyone else, we shouldn't have to trust them any more than we should trust Diebold or ESNS or Harden or Civic or Dominion or Sequoia. People need to be able to oversee their elections, they need to be able to count the ballots themselves if they wish. And that is what I've been calling for now for years. And, you know, like they do in New Hampshire, if you need to do pilot programs to figure out how to do this in various jurisdictions, so be it. But hand counted, hand marked paper ballots marked by hand so that you know that, uh, you know, this is actually verified by the voter because they did it themselves. If it's a printed computer uh, paper ballot that's printed by the computer No way to know if that actually reflects the voter intent, but a hand-marked paper ballot, hand-counted at the precinct on election night with everyone in the public watching, just like they do in New Hampshire, video cameras, all the parties, and the results posted right then and there before ballots are moved anywhere. Uh, Now, Wofford goes on to talk a little bit about this and a little bit more about uh, the computer scientists like Andrew Appel one of the great uh, uh, cybersecurity experts here, uh, one of the early hackers of voting machines, um... Who talks about this, who says, you know, there's a a very simple and old fashioned recipe that we use in our American democracy. The vote totals in each polling place are announced at the time the polls closed in the polling place to all observers, the poll workers, the party challengers, any citizen that's observing the closing of polls. He goes on to describe how the totals in that precinct would be written on a piece of paper. Pencils do just fine. Then signed by the poll worker who has been operating the polling site. Any citizen, he says, can independently add up the precinct by precinct total, and that's a very important check. It's a way that with our precinct-based polling systems, we can have some assurance that hacked computers could not undetectably change the results of our election, particularly at the central tabulator. So he's calling for almost the same thing I'm calling for, but I think he's doing it based on uh, optical scan computer counts at each precinct. I'm saying... It's got to be based on actual human beings counting it at each precinct. But he's getting closer. Wallach's getting closer. A lot of these uh, computer scientists who I think you know, have done d- just God's work o- over the past decade, exposing the serious vulnerabilities of these voting systems. But when they do, they often recommend... A different computer solution to take its place—a com- a solution with a computer that may very well have same of, uh, many of the same problems that the other, that the older computer systems had. After all, it was computer scientists, many of them, who recommended the systems that we use today. So, uh, you know, I don't blame these uh, computer scientists. Uh, that's what you know. If you're a computer scientist and someone asks you for a solution, you're probably going to suggest a. Computer science solution, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're a Western doctor, you're probably going to give Western medicine as a prescription, as opposed to alternative medicine. So this makes sense. What is the old saying? If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, or so whatever that. Uh, so I, you know, I do understand it, but but uh, it seems like the good news here is a lot of even these computer scientists are going through and saying, yeah, you know what? The answer is not more computers. The answer is not uh, less transparency. The answer is not uh, cryptographic system, systems that the public can't even understand at all. Um, maybe the system, uh, the best system, is to go back to uh, a 100% transparent system that we can all oversee, that we can all have confidence in, that we can't let jerks like uh, uh, Donald Trump undermine by claiming it's going to be rigged with no evidence whatsoever. Uh, that doesn't require, uh, you know, people who, who when their candidate loses, uh, for example, Bernie Sanders uh, folks to have to go study and analyze and use conjecture to look at statistics and algorithms exit polls and, and, and 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 determine that, uh, you know, here's why we think this was uh, either wrong or, or hacked or defrauded. It won't require our president to to come out as he had to yesterday and respond to Donald Trump's claims and say, well, they are they're ridiculous. And by the way, they are ridiculous in the case of Donald Trump. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Some of his uh, acolytes are claiming there's going to be computer uh, election fraud. They call it voter fraud. Donald Trump comes out and says, well, Now that uh, these photo ID restriction laws are being struck down in state after state, this there's nothing to stop anyone from going in and voting 10 times. Well, that's not true. There's a lot to stop anyone from coming in and voting 10 times as those laws, even with those laws being struck down, which increase the integrity of our election. They do not decrease the integrity of our election and they are getting struck down. And that is good news. That is. Along with what Politico uh, reported today in their piece, go read it by Ben Wofford, How to Hack an Election in Seven Minutes. But don't do it until we're done with the broadcast. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk uh, a little bit more about this this, uh, voting rights decision in Texas, which I am comparing to the Alamo. Where uh, all the Texans were just wiped out, where they lost, where they (laughs) died. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: That's kind of what's happening to the Republican uh, uh, voter suppression laws in Texas and elsewhere around the country. We've got some news on that and more today on the broadcast. Told you I didn't know where we were going, Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the broadcast. Don't go away. Back to the Bradcast, Brad Freeman from BradBlog.com. So, yeah, uh, who knows where we're going today, Desi Doyen? I, I do. We will get to the Green News Report shortly, mm-hmm. and uh, perhaps, maybe, if I can shut up some extended uh, uh, Green News today. Well, we'll see. Back to we well, Yeah, we'll see. Um, But I want to uh, cover this uh, out of Texas, and I know we're going to talk more about this as well in coming days. But some very good news, very good news that we've been reporting uh, for the last week or two out of Texas, and we've got more details now on it. uh, Ernie Ernie Canning at Bradblog.com offers... Uh, the the list here today of the remedies that have now been agreed upon by the parties in Texas concerning their, um, their racially uh, disenfranchising uh, uh, photo ID voting law that they have been trying to put in place for years because, as has been shown now in court after court, case after case, It keeps uh, disproportionately uh, more Democrats from being able to cast their vote than Republicans, specifically uh, racial minorities. In the case of Texas, uh, Hispanic voters and African-American voters, it would keep uh, some 600,000 already registered legal voters in the state of Texas, from being able to cast their legal vote. These are the people who are already registered, never mind the more than one million people who don't have the type of ID, the very specific type of ID that um, Texas Republicans knew when they passed this law. Texas Republicans knew that a disproportionate number of Democratic-leaning voters did not have. They knew it, and they passed this law anyway in order to try to hang on with all their might uh, to their majority in Texas, where they know the demographics are working against them, big time. At some point, white Republican voters will no longer be the majority in the state of Texas, and that day is drawing near, so they're trying to do whatever they can to to basically keep voters from being able to vote. And now this has been confirmed in uh, uh, court after court concerning Texas specifically, as well as a number of other states now. We saw last week, uh, about a week ago, in North Carolina, the appellate court down there found that, uh, up there, I guess, North Carolina, very important swing state this year. The appellate court there, 4th Circuit, U.S. uh, 4th Circuit Court of Appeal, found that the Republican legislators in North Carolina knew that this would disenfranchise, that this law, almost the exact same uh, photo ID restriction, uh, they knew that it would disproportionately disenfranchise African-American voters, and that's why they passed the law to, quote, target African-American voters with nearly surgical precision. That was in North Carolina before that law That provision of that law was struck down entirely. They determined in North Carolina that the law was uh, the uh, uh, photo ID law there had racially discriminatory intent. They did it on purpose in Texas. All they've uh, been able to agree on at the uh, appellate court level is that the law had a racially discriminatory effect if not intent, they didn't decide on that one way or another, but they agreed that that's the effect, and that was decided by the appellate court, the um, uh, fifth—is uh, that the Fifth Circuit? Yeah, the Fifth Circuit uh, appellate court, the most conservative court of appeals in the country, with just tons of George W. Bush appointees and Ronald Reagan appointees and so forth. They agreed that this law violates. The Voting Rights Act, and it needs to be changed in Texas. And now, the state of Texas has agreed with the challengers of that law that this law, uh, that that in fact there will be remedies applied that will change the law, will soften the wall will, law, will all but strike it down. And Ernie Canty goes through the 14 points that will now uh, be applied, will be agreed to by, have been agreed to by the parties. Uh, that include uh, now you don't have to have just five or six different types of photo IDs, including a gun license, but
1: but not your excluding student, including your yeah.
0: student ID. Right now you can use a, a, a birth certificate, a current utility bill, a bank statement, a government check, a paycheck or any other government document that displays the voter's name and address. And. Sign a what's called a reasonable impediment declaration uh, stating uh, that you have a reasonable impediment to not get one of the five or six photo IDs that the state of Texas had previously been requiring in this new law, this new law that was passed despite any lack of polling place impersonation, no evidence of it whatsoever in the state of Texas. Uh, out of millions and millions of votes cast. And yet they said they were doing this to stop voter fraud. Well, they weren't. They were lying. This was to not stop voter fraud. This was to stop Democrats from voting. Uh, And basically what this does is it returns the law to kind of what it had been before, what it is in many states, which, yeah, uh, the majority of states uh, already uh, require some type of ID. That's not a problem. If, you know, as long as you can give them a utility bill, a bank statement, a a check, a a paycheck, a government check and so forth, that's fine. That has never really been a problem. The problem was this very specific type of ID, a photo ID. Um, And that's something that, uh, you know, they never tell them that on Fox News. They just pretend uh, Democrats don't want to show any ID because they want to steal the election. That's not true. Democrats don't mind showing I.D., but a reasonable uh, number of, uh, you know, of types of I.D. that you can show. And by the way, federal law requires that everyone show some type of I.D., a legitimate form of I.D. uh, when they uh, register to vote.
1: Yeah, and that does does not exclude poor people and minorities and the elderly. That the list of of, of
0: don't exclude. Exactly. Um. So uh, really, really good news. This really good news continues. You can read the details uh, at bradblog.com from uh, Ernie Canning. I'm sure we'll be talking with him on air here about this in the coming days. But one of the other things that's great about this, you know, even uh, when you're allowed to sign an affidavit uh, to, you know, to say, I couldn't obtain an ID. Uh, and here's why. Even when you are allowed to do that. Poll workers can still, in, in many cases, challenge it. Oh, I don't think your, uh, your the excuse you gave on the uh, affidavit is good enough, uh, or whatever it may be. Now, they've been up in Wisconsin. They've been ordered to do that as well, to use an affidavit-type system. Uh, but specifically, in this agreement from the uh, challengers to this law, it specifically says that the uh, reason given the voters' lack of ID and the voters' claimed impediment to obtaining ID prior to allowing a voter to cast a regular ballot with a reasonable impediment declaration, shall not be challenged, shall not be questioned by election officials. So they can't use this as a way to challenge it. And by the way, those voters are allowed then to vote not on a provisional ballot, as is the case in some places, but on a normal ballot in Texas. This is great news for Texas voters put aside Republicans, put aside Democrats, because when it comes to voting, all I care about is that any voter who wishes to cast a vote, any legal voter who wishes to cast a vote, that they are allowed to cast that vote and that that vote be cast and counted as cast. And by the way, counted in a way that that voter can know it has been counted as cast. Texas isn't They haven't gotten to that point yet, but at least uh, some 600,000 otherwise disenfranchised voters will now be able to vote in the presidential election this year. And, oh, by the way, Texas has, as we previously reported a couple weeks ago, Texas has spent three and a half million dollars. These so-called fiscal conservatives in the state of Texas conservative my ass they have spent three and a half million dollars defending this illicit unlawful statute racially
1: discriminatory exactly statute.
0: Yeah. uh unlawful statute it violates the voting rights act as they have been told for years and they've done it anyway and they've spent three and a half million dollars of texas taxpayers money defending this illicit uh, racist law And by the way, as a term of the uh, agreement, the remedy, the uh, court-ordered remedy here that uh, Texas has now signed on to, they now have to spend an additional $2.5 million in a voter education program to educate them about the new ID law and the way this ID will now work. So this is costing Texas taxpayers millions of millions of dollars to stop absolutely no fraud, to only keep people from voting and those people who lost their votes in previous elections while this uh, discriminatory law was in effect, they will never get their vote back. But for now, um, for now, at least, hopefully, they will be able to vote uh, uh, this fall. There is uh, there still could be a challenge all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, This uh, remedy remedy is temporary for now, for November Uh, so there still could be some changes in this story. We'll talk about that another time. But for now, good news, great news out of Texas. Hey, Texans, go vote. you got no excuse not to anymore. Quick break, and we're back with Green News and Desi Doy, and I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free broadcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and Bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by Bradblog.com slash donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. Melting for Desi Doyan here on the green on the green. News. Where are we? What is this? Who am I? What <laughs> day is it? Right? Yes. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Melting for Desi Doyan and her green news report, which is uh, coming up in mere seconds. Uh, we and we may. I know you wanted another bite at the Ron Johnson apple. Oh yeah. We talked about it yesterday. I'd like to smack Ron Johnson end. around a little you, bit. You yes. do? Okay. Yes. If there's time. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I think there will be. So let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, our latest Green News report, and then we'll let you uh, smack around Ron Johnson some more. All right? Let's do it. And we're not done. We're a long way from done. We're way far from done.
1: New criminal charges for state employees in the Flint, Michigan water crisis. $170 million fine for Kalamazoo River Tar Sands Pipeline Spill. Young voters don't see a difference between Clinton and Trump on climate change. Plus... The wind kills all your birds. All your birds killed. Donald Trump pushes tired old myths about renewable energy. All
0: of those tired old myths and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And
1: I'm Desi Doyen.
0: Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And you know, when you have clean call, you're talking about... A fraction of the cost. Really? Sounds good. When you have clean coal, let me know. Until then, this is your Green News Report. I'm
1: gonna soak up the sun.
0: Okay, Dizzy Doyen, after all of these years, I'm sure you're tired of all of these tired old myths. <laughs> But they don't ever seem to die, no matter how tired, no matter how old they are. If they tell them on Fox News, they keep getting told... And now they keep getting told by Donald Trump.
1: Yep, if you are a regular listener to the Green News Report, you already know that house cats kill far more birds than wind turbines. So do skyscrapers. You also know that the price of solar energy and wind energy is plummeting and is now competitive with or cheaper than dirty, polluting, conventional fossil fuels. But those facts clearly have not reached Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump. The
0: alternative is so expensive. It's so expensive. And honestly, it's not working so good. I know a lot about solar. I love solar. But the payback is what? 18 years. Oh, great. Let me do it. 18 years. The wind kills all your birds. All your birds killed. Of
1: course, in reality, rooftop solar panel prices are rapidly falling and now pay for themselves on average in less than nine years. And wind turbines don't kill all the birds. Far from it. So why does Donald continue to repeat these tired old myths? Because he likes recycling.
0: Uh, there you go. He's also <laughs> because he's a tired old man. But did you say that skyscrapers kill more birds than wind turbines?
1: Exponentially more.
0: The type of skyscraper, for example, that Donald Trump builds all over the world? Yep. He's killing all your birds.
1: All your birds. Although the national political conventions over the last two weeks demonstrated stark differences between Democrats and Republicans on climate, many young voters apparently don't know that. According to a new poll by youth climate activist group Next Gen Climate, 44% of millennial voters living in battleground states believe that there's no difference between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump on climate change. (laughs) So, hey, millennials, Clinton accepts climate science and wants to expand renewable energy. Trump calls climate science a hoax and wants to expand fossil fuels.
0: Now, a lot of those millennials are critical of Hillary Clinton that she hasn't done enough or won't do enough on climate change. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yes, it's true. She does not go nearly far enough. However, that doesn't mean she's a climate science denier, just like Donald Trump is. Fair enough. Accountability in the Flint water crisis, Michigan's attorney general has indicted six more current and former state employees, including the top official in charge of drinking water quality. They are charged with falsifying water tests, obstruction of justice and covering up warning signs of lead contamination in the Flint water supply. At a press conference announcing the new charges, Michigan Attorney General Bill Schutte said they're not done yet.
0: Now We've now charged nine people, nine people. With crimes. And we filed a civil suit against two companies that had the knowledge and the ability to stop the problem, but they failed. And we're not done. We're a long way from done. We're way far from done. But are they done cleaning up the water In Flint, Michigan?
1: No, there is still A problem with Flint's water A sort of fracking apology from Former Pennsylvania Governor Ed Rendell He was speaking at a fossil fuel Industry sponsored event during the Democratic Convention and in a surprise Admission, Rendell said he quote Made a mistake when as governor He rammed through permits for fracking And said he didn't regulate well Construction or toxic fracking wastewater As well as it should have been because He was in a rush to get the economic benefits. The admission comes too little too late for residents, however. According to desmogblog.com, Pennsylvania state regulators have confirmed at least 200 cases of water contamination caused by fracking finally, Enbridge, the company responsible for the 2010 Tar Sands Pipeline oil spill in Michigan that fouled 40 miles of the Kalamazoo River and is still not cleaned up. Enbridge has reached a settlement with the Justice Department and the EPA over the spill. They'll pay more than $170 million in fines, penalties, and pipeline upgrades. That's in addition to a $75 million state fine. However, that total in fines and penalties is still about $150 million less than Enbridge made in profits in the fourth quarter of last year.
0: Man, probably also a tax write-off for them, and nobody's going to jail, I'm guessing? Nope. Imagine that. Much more on all of these stories and more that we didn't have time for at our website, greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. And bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. I
1: got a go. in Kalamazoo. Don't wanna
0: yeah, uh, you I know, know uh, Carl Howard, our friend at uh, Facebook, uh, posted in response to uh, today's Green News report, he says, uh, it's not windmills that kills all your birds. It's wind. We got to keep all the wind out of this country until we figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> That's good. Well played, Mr. Howard. Uh, all right, Desi, you wanted to, uh, t- speaking of uh, myths that won't die, zombie uh, myths, uh, you wanted another shot at this Ron Johnson thing. We played it, a little bit from it yesterday. U.S. Senator from Wisconsin running for re-election against Russ Feingold goes on a right-wing radio program, and he says... The, the climate hasn't warmed in quite a few years. I mean, that is that is proven
1: scientifically. So that's why they've changed the, the terminology from global warming to climate change. Right. That covers everything. Also a myth. Uh, the climate has always changed. It always will. But uh, you know, the whole climate change debate gives, and they've been, there are all kinds of quotes from adherents of uh, and promoters of climate change. The reason they're doing it is it's just such a great opportunity to control, you know, pretty much government, cons- and control your lives. But- I mean, again, I don't know why they want to do it. There, there's an <laughs> arrogance of power there. They're, they're utopians they really think they can create heaven on earth and and where it's failed in the past uh, those people like Stalin and Chavez and the Castros the, the, the nut cases in North Korea. Okay, I just wanted to jump in and say that I think that he is what he is saying is extremely irresponsible and shameful. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson, you know, by comparing uh, to these, these totalitarian regimes, all that the folks that are concerned about climate change, all that the scientists are saying, all that the environmental groups are saying is, hey, this is a looming problem that also puts us closer to the risk of extinction. And all we're talking about is paying a few pennies more on the dollar maybe at best to transition to clean energy that won't kill people from pollution which it is doing right now and won't kill people from extreme weather events which it is doing right now Mm -hmm. and my point was that if you don't understand what the actual problems are you are not going to be prepared for the impacts that are to come we're already seeing the impacts now and just to reference back to the ellicott city maryland flood that happened on over the weekend it killed
0: few days ago on Green News Report, that story.
1: Yes, it's a thousand-year rainstorm event. Now, Ellicott City is a place that has seen frequent floods before, and this was an unusual rain event, a very rare unusual rain event, but they had one like this, very similar, just five years ago. And so they replaced, they upgraded their stormwater control systems, and it still wasn't enough.
0: They were still overwhelmed by this... Enormous rain rain event,
1: which scientists say is going to happen more frequently now. We are going to have to reassess what a thousand-year rain event is because they're now... Confirmed by scientific evidence, we are seeing an increase in downpours, especially in the Northeast, something like a 70 percent increase since the 1970s. So
0: this is not you and your environmentalist friends wanting to control uh, every aspect of everybody's life, as Ron Johnson uh, is arguing.
1: Certainly not. It is basically (laughs) saying, hey, look, we we can use science and data. That's the whole point of having science. Why have science if you're not going to use it? And oh, so we have well, it because it use cuts it...
0: in uh, corporate profits. <laughs> there you go.
1: And so we can use the science to actually say, oh, look, we have some problems here. We can actually use engineering to fix some of those problems, prepare for some of the impacts we're going to see. But if you cannot, if you refuse to see what those are, you will not be prepared when they happen.
0: And uh, his claim that it has gotten the planet has been scientifically proven to have gotten cooler. In
1: recent years of course that's ridiculous that's not true we're in the third year in a row of the hottest year on record <laughs> that has never happened before in in recorded history and when we look back at the uh at the the, the the indicators that we have across the world in a number of different sectors from sea level rise to glacier melts to temperatures to sea temperatures to atmospheric temperatures to tropospheric temperatures we know we can now see through all of these measures that the planet is getting warmer.
0: On the other hand some guy on right wing radio said you're wrong, Desi Doy, and the planet's getting cooler. So I guess we're going to have to go with that. <laughs> thank <laughs> you very <laughs> it there. much. Yep. Got to leave it there. Uh, thank you very much, Desi Doy and our producer. Thanks to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other broadcast, you can download it at bradblog.com. Uh, and you can find and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the TheBradBlog or drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com and my thanks again to those who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help Desi and I continue to do what we try to do on the uh, your public airwaves every day. Okay, until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Everybody.